Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 38. All right, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. If you're a longtime listener, you know our drill, and I appreciate you for being here. Go to my website for all of the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. While you're there, check out my incredible food and product photography. That's what I do for a living. Let me help you and your business. I'm amazing at it, and I also do all my own styling. You have questions for the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. All right, you guys, let's do this. Let's go on a food adventure. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. Fall is totally upon us here in New England. Oliver keeps pulling dirty socks out of the laundry as I'm trying to record this, so I have to keep stopping and taking them out and putting them back. Such a fun, fun game we're playing in this moment. Honestly, like I couldn't be happier. It's just, it's a beautiful day and I'm trying to appreciate all these little moments in life because, you know, that's what we're here to do. So let's do it together. Speaking of moments, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of us dream about simpler life. It could be because we live in this really, really technology driven, technologically advanced world right now. And it just feels like life is moving really, really fast. And, you know, we've got this grass is always greener on the other side kind of mentality. And there's something very, I don't know, romantic about living on a farm. Like to me, somebody asked me the other day what one of my top or like what are my top five movies go when I was at dinner with friends and I was like, ah, and then I thought for a second, and I'm like, oh my God, Under the Tuscan Sun. <sighs> I could watch that movie every day for the rest of my life. There's something so romantic to me about moving to Tuscany and buying a villa and having like expansive land and living on the, oh, it would just be, it would be heaven. But that's not owning a farm. I don't know if I, I'd want to own a farm necessarily, but I do feel like a lot of us are drawn to farming and farm life and agriculture and getting our hands in the earth. I mean, I have Todd, my wonderful husband, made four beautiful raised beds this year that I have so many incredible vegetables coming out of. And, uh, I so much so I don't even know what to do with them. And that's about as close to farming as I get. I mean, even I, I kill houseplants on a daily basis. If it wasn't for Todd, our houseplants would have absolutely no chance of survival. So me on a farm, like I would be really good at the management of parts of the farm, but I would not be the person that would tend to the crops. 
I would be the person on the marketing, you know, kind of back end of that and, and like doing all the behind the scenes business side of it. That I would be really good at because I'm really good at that in my own business. But the the day to day, there's so much that goes into it. So part of, you know, a food adventure is where does our food come from? And this isn't a Sesame Street episode, I promise. But I was really lucky enough to meet and become friends, now befriend a wonderful woman who, well, she happens to own a farm. So let's get into it. Oh my gosh. All right, my guest. What a doll. Her and her husband. Now, they've had their hands in dirt and food for many years between various farms, culinary projects, and then in 2019, they decided to buy a well-established farm here just outside of Boston with about 60 plus acres of land and they're doing this all in their 30s. Well, I guess they got the energy for it. So please welcome to the podcast, Linda from Tangerini's Farm in Millis, Massachusetts. Hi, Linda. Hi. How are you? It's so good to see your smiling face. Oh, it's such, you know, it's such a beautiful day out. How can you not be smiling? Oh my God, I know. And you know, for someone like yourself who has to be outside, a ton. This summer has been, this last month has been brutal. And I can't imagine what it's like working on a farm in the heat. It's, you know, um, it's one of those things that I just try not to complain about. Like people, plus I'm, you know, almost nine months pregnant. So, <laughs> so, uh, so people were like, well, aren't you so hot? And I'm like, well, who isn't hot right now? Come on. I know, but you're hot and pregnant. <laughs> like you're very pregnant, like literally about to give birth on the farm. <laughs> literally any minute now. When are you due? September 23rd. <gasps> Congratulations. That's so exciting. Oh, coming up. Thank yeah. You. you must be almost ready to send the evic- eviction notice, but at the same time, you're like, I kind of still like sleeping. So I'm not sure if I want to give that part up yet. Yeah. You know, I think at this point, as with my, with my first um, son that I was just like getting fairly uncomfortable sleeping. So it's not good sleep either way. Oh, and, bummer. You know, so it's kind of one or the other at this point. <laughs> Fair enough. You're like six and one half dozen and another, like yeah. doesn't even matter. Let's just do this. So now you and your husband, I know you both grew up in new England. And what's funny, a fun fact, your husband and I grew up in towns right next to each other. I grew up in Nashua, New Hampshire, and he's from Hollis. So we're basically like buddies. Little does he know. Um, I think I'm a few years older than he is. So I don't know. We could probably try to play the name game over some drinks someday on the the farm. Um, but how did you guys end up in Millis? Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's a funny story about how life just takes you on, uh, on a journey and, um, and you know, you end up where you end up. So, um, for, uh, like you said, my husband's from uh, Hollis, New Hampshire, and I'm from Lunenburg, Mass. Um, uh, so we, we we're five years apart in age, but really similar, you know, proximity of where we actually grew up we met in uh in easton actually oh and, wow um and uh he was working at uh wardsbury farm in sharon mass and i was working for the red Sox as uh the chef for um 
the part owners and owners of the Red Sox. That's uh, crazy. Um, it was, we got our produce from Wardsbury Farm. So that's how we met. And, uh, and I just fell, you know, more in love with agriculture and subsequently, um, Steve. <laughs> oh my God. So Wardsbury Farm brought you guys together. And what's funny is you went to Cambridge Culinary, right? Yes. That's where my husband went and got his degree there as well. He's an executive chef too. So you guys, it's so funny that you and my husband have this little path cross and, uh, that me and Steve, right? Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Steve. Okay. Great. Me and Steve have a little past. Well, like we're, we're meant to be best friend couples. I mean, that's literally what's supposed to happen. Um, so I think it's bananas. So Steve's always been in agriculture. You, you have this culinary background and worked in like high end, I mean, working for the owners of the Red Sox basically and cooking for them is, is pretty baller. Like pat yourself on the back there. Right. Like I know it doesn't right now. Yeah, no, seriously though. So then you guys decide to start doing, working at Tangerini's, right? So, um, he worked at Ward's for like five or six years while we were dating and uh, I actually, I worked in culinary and then ultimately um, a friend of Steve's had a farm in Easton and he needed some help. And I had definitely gotten to know more about agriculture than I you know, knew when we met. Uh, so I said, hey, you know, I think I'd like to take a little break from culinary and I'll come help run a farm. So I worked at Langwater Farm for almost, I think it was about five, almost six years uh, running the, doing tractor operations and running the fields and stuff with Kevin O'Dwyer, the owner over there. And then we, Steve and I started to look for our own, our own place. Um, and he, he actually happened upon, uh, Tangerini's and they were looking for a farm manager and the, the job posting said, you know, possible ownership opportunities for the right individual and he I, he was like well, what does that mean and I was like just apply who knows just apply <laughs> um so uh yeah that was like seven years ago um and uh and he went to did uh, applied with Charlie and Laura Tangerini and they said you know we're we're just our kids don't have an interest in taking over the farm we know we're not getting any younger um is there you know and Steve was talking about what I do and they had been wanting to start a restaurant of some sort here at the farm. So I said, well, he, he was talking about me and what I do. And they were like, well, does she want to come on board too? It's going to be a package deal for both of you. <laughs> yeah, it totally was. And, and they said, well, if things work out and you know, we, you know, we all click well, then maybe somewhere down the road, you know, when we're ready to retire, you guys can, take on the business. And, um, so, so here we are. Okay. And that was about seven years ago. You said, yeah. Now I'm pretty sure you two are younger than me. So (laughs) I would guess that you guys are in your thirties right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you bought a farm pretty young. Sure did. Yeah. (laughs) Like how old were you and Steve when you bought this farm? Um, if you don't mind me asking, I don't, I don't want to be, um, I'm, I'm 33 now. So I was, um, what, two and a half years ago. I, I just turned, you were basically 30, 30, I think. Yeah. I, um, 
and uh and steve is 38 so he was like 36 35 um and uh like some 35 year olds can't even wake up in the morning and go to work let alone (laughs) buy a farm like that my that is a huge accomplishment on both of your parts and the time investment there's there's uh we you know since since steve had been he started working at Lowell farm in hollis new hampshire Mm -hmm. 14 um and he's been pulling some ridiculous hours basically ever since then and uh and then you know now at this point we've been together for um for 11 years and and having subsequently also worked in the industry myself um it's not really sometimes the hours still seem to you know creep up on both of us but it's something that we we were like yeah well you know it's a it's a 12 hour day is no big deal. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, especially if you're doing what you love. So the name Tangerini came from the last name of the previous owner. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So it's um, the farm is technically Tangerini's Spring Street Farm. Because um, you're on Spring Street. On Spring Street. Yep. And, uh, and most people know it just as Tangerini's Farm. Um, but it was... Uh, the the last name of the previous owners that's correct and like a boat you're not going to change the name because that would be bad luck at this point yeah and you know part of the package deal when we bought it was that we did have to buy the business so we paid well for the name yeah, you did well it's a really well-known name in the area so it's it's got established roots pun intended i had to and like oh, why you know why it's not like it was the name was tarnished or the farm had gone under, like it was a thriving, beautiful business that you just wanted to keep going and keep growing again, pun intended. I really, <laughs> I can't, these dad jokes. I I'm on a roll today. My coffee's kicking in. So Steve sort of grew up this way. You grew up in Lunenburg, which isn't, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it's farmland, but it's not like super urban. You know? Oh, sure. Right. So here you are in your thirties. And you bought a farm. And are there any things that, like, did you ever daydream about owning a farm? Is this something that you guys have, like, you know, some people daydream about becoming famous and going on yachts. And, like, is this, was this the bucket list item that you two wanted to do? I'm going to say hard no. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) I love that. I love that. I mean, uh, I think when when we first met, I would say just with both of our experiences at the point that we were at, which, you know, we were, we're, we're still young. We were, yeah. young, um, yeah. you know, 11 years ago. Uh, you're so really young. I mean, you were young. like really young. Um, and, uh, I think that both of us, I know that both of us, we had so many different conversations, even in the first few years of, of dating, that uh, we we had been like, you know, this would be really cool if we could do this on our own someday. Uh, so, with with our forces combined, um, <laughs> we, we thought this would be pretty pretty sweet. Um, we knew it would be a lot of work either way, even you know if we did it. Um, but uh, when I was you know growing up or in my teens, I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I really, when I started working in, in kitchens, when I was 15, I, I enjoyed it. But if you told me that 
I was going to design a restaurant and, um, you know, seasonal menus and run a, run a kitchen, um, and then, you know, own it. I would have told you you were absolutely nuts. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's an obscene, I've been in the industry for so long too. It's an obscene amount of work and like the success rate for a restaurant is so it's just, it's all such a gamble. And I, my hat is off to you, both of you that you followed your passion and you took the risk and the leap kind of just not, I don't want to use say blindly or you were naive or anything like that. Cause it's not that you literally just kind of followed your intuition with this. And not only do you run a farm, you run a successful restaurant that has seasonal menus. You have an incredible CSA membership. In addition to that, you got animals like you and, and you've got a child and another one on the way. Like you got a lot going on. And yet you look so beautiful and effortless and glowy. And on top of all of this, you have a whole nother endeavor going on behind the scenes that you're a part of called food quirk. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about food quirk for a second. It's so, it's so silly and funny and cool in the best way possible. I, I start telling people about it and they're like, Oh wait, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, it's my side project. It's It's my side hustle. Yeah. like, are you nuts? I'm like, yeah, probably. I mean, sure. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, when do you sleep? Seriously. Uh, there's a couple hours in there. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what is food quirk for all of those who are not cool enough to be in the know yet? So, so food quirk at the moment, uh, is a, uh, is a web-based, uh, we're in beta, um, working on, continuing to develop and and work through kinks and whatnot of uh of the website that that we're building and everything um so it's a it's a food website at the moment like i said um we're planning on launching the app uh hoping for target date is october 1st on that Uh, but uh you know we'll see with um you know life setback from life when <laughs> if that's uh if that ends up being you know completely true to true but um but it's basically uh a website that is designed for foodies and just people who enjoy food um it's supposed to be a, like an all-inclusive you know whatever whatever you whoever you are from like a food standpoint you're welcome so our, our main point is that uh, we're building the world's largest dinner table. So mm-hmm. everybody's welcome. Everybody has a seat. Um, it's all about inclusivity and just like including everybody and all of your quirks and uh, your food quirks. So, you know, not everybody is just a vegetarian. If you're just a vegetarian, maybe you also are, you know, most of the time vegan, but sometimes not. And um uh, so it, there's a there's a quiz that goes along with it that helps to determine your FQ, your food quirk, uh, and five different categories that um, that people find that they don't necessarily fall into just one because you know our eating habits are so varied. Um, even even if you are just you know strictly vegan, um, you know do you tend towards mostly eating? local and natural foods, but sometimes you just don't. So uh, there's there's so many different things about 
who we are and our our eating habits. So uh, it has it's basically a platform where we post recipes, share products, share restaurants, and you can then see as you would on like an Instagram or something like that. There's an algorithm that will show you like-minded people who have similar food quirks to yours. Yeah. Um, so it's been really fun and uh, just taking all of the pictures and posting recipes and just getting getting the platform up and running has been a really, really cool experience to, to see from the, the back end side, right? Like there was no yeah. website. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. I mean, you're like the, the, um, the person in the Wizard of Oz that's behind the curtain right now, like pulling all the strings and making, making the smoke and fire happen. And yeah. that's gotta be really cool. And I mean, I'm a user of it and I think it's super cool. And I love that I'm discovering new people that have similar taste buds and style of eating that I do that I wouldn't have met prior to this, you know, like our paths might not have crossed and it's just, it is, it's a really nice inclusive community who aren't talking about anything but food. And for somebody who lives a very food centric life, I totally appreciate that because social media, you get inundated with a lot of stuff. And some of it is kind of toxic. And this is just a very happy food centric social network. And it's fabulous. And I'm so happy you guys created it. Um, it's been, it's been really, really fun. And I love just going on and, and seeing what other people are, are using for ingredients and how people are making substitutions and recipes and doing this and that. And, uh, and it's, it's also just been, uh, really, really interesting seeing the new users now popping up into beta and everything. And it's funny because I've been, you know, I've invited several people into it, but then somebody will comment on one of my posts and they'll be like, oh, I love your farm. And I'm like, wait, you're local. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And uh, um, it's been, it's just such an interesting, uh, you know, I'm all about obviously food and growing it and eating it and cooking with it. And and sharing all of that really awesomeness with everybody. So uh, it's like totally my kind of networking because it's all about food. Hell yeah. My kind of networking too. (laughs) So when will, um, where, when, how can other people get involved with the platform? When will it be open to others? So right now, uh, if you were to go to foodquirk.com, there is a, uh, an active website that people can, sign up to basically reserve a spot. Um, you would they'll then get an email um, confirming their like spot basically for when the website goes live and the app goes live uh, to then join and be part of the community. Um, we've, you know, let a number of people in right now to be able to test out the website and help us work through some bugs and whatnot. And, um, and now we're we're working on, you know, smoothing out the edges. So uh, it's, that's, that's where people would go. We do have a pretty active, um, really active social media on Instagram Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But it's, you know, some people just see that and they're like, oh, you're an Instagram, you know, page. And it's like, oh no, we're so much more than that. Trust me. Yeah. And they'll soon understand once it goes live. For for sure. But yeah, your Instagram's super fun too. Um, Do you want to dive into some listener questions? You got a handful, lady. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Nathan in Portland, Maine writes, I've always wanted to live on a farm. I honestly don't know why. Maybe it's a past life. Who knows? But I have always dreamed of living on a farm. Is it as amazing as I think it could be? So, um... (laughs) (laughs) The pause. So, um... Um, Depends uh, on what day it is, Nathan. Sometimes it is just amazing. And I was actually, my in-laws are visiting right now from South Carolina. And we were standing outside of the house. uh, So for people who don't, you know, I've never been to the farm and whatnot. Our house sits right on the farm and it is, uh, you know, the first thing you actually drive up and see when you drive into the, the driveway for the farm. So uh, we are here for sure. Um, and uh, we were standing on, on the grass looking over some of the fields last night right after dinner. And I was like, you know, there are days that I'm just like, holy moly, like this is ours. Look what we did. Yeah. We're doing Um, And it's just that overwhelming sense of, you know, pride and gratitude and enjoyment. Um, And then other times we're like, why do we do this? Uh, (laughs) How many acres do you guys have? Is it more than meets the eye? Because when you drive into the farm, for those who don't know, your beautiful house is on the right. And then you've got greenhouses towards the left and back. And then you've got all these beautiful fields and the restaurant and the ice cream. Does it go back further than that? So we have 65 acres. Um, we're actively growing on probably about 55 of them. Wow. Um, so you own part of that tree line as well in the way back. Yeah, it goes back, you know, up to the tree line. And then there's actually, we lease some acreage from the conservation commission through the town um, mm-hmm. uh, that goes into the tree line. Um, oh, wow. And uh, so it's definitely, I would say, um, a friend of mine who I actually went to school with and is also a fellow farm owner, she posted a, um, a meme on, on Facebook. And I think uh, for Nathan, this like totally sums it up. Um, there was three pictures and there was a, you know, what, what being a farmer's wife or, you know, a farm owner um, looks like in, in my dreams and something like that. And it was, it was this woman just like in this beautiful sundress, casually walking through a field of corn with her, with her stunningly handsome, a significant other with her by her side. And then, and then the middle one was like, you know, what other people see my, my farm life looking like. And it was this woman who was, you know, definitely working and, um, and, but still like quasi glamorous. Mm. And then, uh, and then the bottom one was like, well, this is what being a farm wife actually looks like and here's this like really grouchy old lady you know like in the field with a pitchfork yelling at her husband and covered in mud <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. don't look like Gwyneth Paltrow and your wellies just oh, like strolling crazy. along picking up flowers in your wicker French basket no no, um, no. yeah but I would honestly say that it's like uh, I definitely don't feel like it's the top option um but it <laughs> But, um, but I don't think it's the bottom either. And I think, well, it's all perspective for sure. Um, um, but uh, yeah, there's good days and bad days with everything uh, for sure. But it's, it's definitely, we, we love it. And you wouldn't, you really, you'd have a hard time doing it every day if you didn't love it. Uh, yeah. So that's oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. 
Even California rates, what are some of the most unexpected things that you have had to do for owning a farm that you didn't expect? Um, because hmm. uh, I mean, I imagine like, you know, partly what's coming down. Like, you know, you've got to do certain things at certain times a year to the fields and let's go with pandemic. Um, does that oh count? Oh my God. I know. Seriously. <laughs> well, every business owner and person right now. Pandemic. Yeah. And uh, the Delta, the pandemic and now the Delta. Yeah. It's, oh. I mean, that's been a, a whole trip, but, um, but again, like who hasn't had that feeling right now? Uh, I think that there's just, there are so many things that, uh, unlike other businesses, and I'm sure that every business has its, its setbacks and its struggles and all of those things. Um, but we are so dependent on the weather. Yeah. So, um, and that's something you can't control. I yeah. mean, that's so far beyond your control. I loved that documentary on, um, what was it called? The smallest, biggest farm or yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and the fact that like they dealt with the same thing with the weather but then it's how you problem solve things too like when they had the infestation on their fruit trees and then they brought the ducks in and Mm -hmm. the ducks ate the the slugs that then you know and it's I'm sure it's the same way with you guys like how how do you deal and how do you pivot to make it work then you know if it's something that's so far beyond your control you just have to figure it out. Yeah. And that's, and that, that would definitely, I would say that's for sure would be my answer is that it's just so, it's so weather dependent. And, um, and there's so many things that for us, you know, last year and the year before was so dry and there's, yes, that's difficult as well. And, uh, and some farmers find that even more challenging than we did. We are lucky enough to have, uh, have dug about five or six years ago, we dug a really sizable irrigation pond. So when it's dry, we can irrigate, we can control how much water the plants are getting. Uh, we have a really great system for that. So we're really lucky to be in that situation. Yeah, it, obviously it takes time. And you know, if we didn't have to irrigate, yeah, we'd all sleep a little better, but, um, but it's, we can control it. We can help solve that problem. But when it's wet like this year and we got over nine inches of rain in about a week and a half, you just sit there and you watch. And that's yeah. it. There's literally nothing you can do but watch it come down and then watch your crops die. Yeah. And that's what happened. Um, we we couldn't get in the fields to to plant some of our crops because the fields were too wet. And then by the time they dried out, it was too late to plant certain. Things. Um, we missed three corn plantings because of that. And our tomato plants are in so much worse condition uh, with blight and everything than they would ever be at this time of year. Um, we lost half of our pepper planting and wow. other stuff just because, you know, we do have some low lying areas and those areas, some spots still aren't dry. Um, it's, it's incredible. Wow. So, but then how do you pivot is, you know, okay. So what do we do if this happens again? And mm-hmm. or it will, I mean, it was yeah, it's nature, nature, it happens. So, so then we were looking into putting in, uh, working with a company out of New York to do some tile drainage in the fields to help the soil percolate better and help it drain more um, because we do have some clay-based soils and mm-hmm. 
so you just you you learn and you figure out you know what's out there you talk to other farmers and you go one step at a time yeah you do that's life in general um okay this is full disclosure a question from my husband Todd in, Todd in Massachusetts asks, I'm a chef and I was wondering, do you sell wholesale or to local produce companies so I can buy your produce? <laughs> hey, Todd. <laughs> so um, we, we do do some wholesale. We don't do a crazy amount, unlike other, you know, some other farms in New England and, um, and nationally, but um, uh, we... We do do some, most of it is uh, pickup based where um, we have, we do send out like a weekly wholesale availability to a, a group of, of individuals that will typically come either to the farm or to the native farmer's market where we go on Saturdays and they'll pick up their orders uh, here or at, in Natick. Um, in the winter months, more than the summer months, we work with uh, Maker to Maine um, which is a, uh, it's a small local, she focuses on the, the woman who, who runs it, um, her name's Lynn and she focuses on, uh, it's a small, like kind of like grocery store, I guess I'd say, um, on main street in Worcester. Mm. And she focuses on all pre predominantly local products. So uh, if you were to walk into her store, she's got tons of different seasonally available produce, as well as, um, you know, pantry staples and everything that's, you know, local and sustainable and whatnot. Uh, so she also supplies to a number of different restaurants. So as a wholesale distributor, so we work cool. with her, she buys some of our products and then um, supplies it to some of the, the restaurants in the Worcester area. Um, so we work with her as well, but a lot in the winter. Um, awesome. Well, I'll tell him he, well, he's the executive chef at Wellesley college. So Okay. Um, that would be a very big produce order. I'm, I'm guessing, but I'll put you two in touch. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Davina from Instagram asked, do you ever switch out the vegetables you grow? Are there any new ones you're going to try next year? Absolutely. Good question, Davina. Um, so we totally, um, we're always looking at every single year where we, we look, we get all the seed catalogs that we usually purchase from and then some that we've never purchased from before and, and we'll flip through them. It's kind of like our December little, uh, you know, let's call it a date night. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're so, those seed catalogs are so pretty with the pictures. Like I get Baker Creek and a couple others and flipping through and seeing, oh my gosh, you're like, I just, I want it. I want it all. I do. I yeah. want, I want you yeah. the acreage at least. But yeah. So we, we talk to other farmers, um, farming, especially in Massachusetts and New England is such a, there's such a really great community of, of farmers. So, um, a lot of us are, you know, collaborating and, Hey, have you tried this? How did it work out? What do you think about that? And, um, so we're, we're always kind of pulling information from each other and then, um, and looking through all of the different catalogs and talking to, talking to our vendors what's new, do you, you know, anything like that, that is catching our eye. Um, and then we talk to each other and our staff too. Sometimes some of our staff are like, Hey, could we grow this? And, uh, and we're like, you know what, let's give it a shot. Let's plant like a small section of it and, and we'll give it a go. And we hadn't planted honeydew melons here, um, since we had started. 
uh, and I had been pestering my husband. Um, <laughs> You're like, I'm craving melon right now, honey. We need, literally, we need some honeydew melons. We do cantaloupes and watermelons and everything like that. But I was like, I just really want a good honeydew. And uh, so last year was the first year we started growing honeydew and he's been, he's been won over. So, uh, so yeah, so now we, we definitely add, we've added honeydew and um, we definitely try out different, different things every year. I would say at least, at least something um, every year just to see how it moves. And, um, and all of our crops are rotated in terms of like planting location every year as well. We, we, my husband keeps a really good record in terms of, you know, where everything gets planted and um, what then subsequently can't go there because, you know, even three years ago, we planted this there. So wow. years until you can put that back. And, um, and he's very, very specific with crop rotation and all of that. So that's uh, why you're so successful to one of the reasons like to be that dialed in and organized you just, as somebody who's a consumer, you don't, it, you can't wrap your mind around. It's literally not just putting things in the ground, watering them and tending to them. There's so much behind the scenes going on in this large operation. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Do you guys have a lot of seed saving then? Um, so we actually don't do any seed saving, um, mm. just because, I mean, there's a number of different reasons to do so and to do it on the scale that we would need and to do it successfully. Um, you'd really want to be saving the seeds, then testing for germination rates to confirm that when you actually need it and you know that's gotta go in the ground, that it's actually going to germinate the rate that you and the percentage mm-hmm. that you need it to. Um, you've gotta be pretty meticulous about it. Um, and this time of year when we would be saving certain seeds from some crops, just there aren't enough hours in the day. Uh, (laughs) I hear you. No, it's, that's so funny. I mean, that's, Hey, you know, it makes a lot of sense because you depend on the vegetables growing. It's not like a home garden where we can just put stuff in our raised bed and be like, it didn't work. Oh, well, go to, I'll go to tangerines and pick it up. You know, like you guys need this to work without question. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Howie in Massachusetts asks, I love the idea of having a vegetable garden, but honestly, kind of fail at doing it each year. Would you or do you offer gardening classes? So we we have in the past, we've done some, uh, we did some, I mean, most of the years that we've been here, we've done a couple different types of, uh, of gardening classes except with the exception of last year and this year. The pandemic, yeah. Uh, so uh, we've done like a backyard gardening class where we'll help people in the, in the early in like May and April kind of plan out their, their gardening beds and plot plan where you're going to put stuff and how much space do you need? How many tomato plants do you actively need to be growing? for, you know, what you're trying to get out of your tomatoes. Um, you know, maybe 15 is a lot if you're not planning it. Well, you see the whole seed packet, right? Like I'm so guilty of this and you get the seed packet and you're like, eh, those are kind of small. I'm just going to dump them all in. And then it comes up. I'll, I'll text you a picture of what my raised beds look like now. It, I, the, those tomato plants are taller than I am. And I'm five, five on a good day. 
And they are so packed in. So yes, everyone listen to Linda. She's preaching the truth. You don't need 15 tomato plants in one raised bed corner. That's, um, that's several. Yeah. You might, uh, you'd actually probably do better with weaning some of those out for sure. Um, uh, and so we've taught like classes like that. We've also taught, you know, classes in terms of, um, uh, making uh arrangements for um oh my gosh what i'm trying to say window boxes and stuff oh, like sure that. yeah and um and things like that we've taught and then i've taught a whole slew of classes on um different aspects of cooking um for until we bought the farm um and even after that we still ran a pretty regular schedule on on culinary classes um in 2019 and then obviously last year and this year mm-hmm. we have but um I did a lot of different seasonal cooking classes and uh just based on what we were harvesting for the season I would run a cooking class based on that type of mm-hmm. um whatnot um we, I also did kids cooking classes with um we did basic probably two a month um an adult class and a kids class um one every month wow so, for most of the season. That's a ton of work. It was fun. And I love seeing that like aha moment when somebody in the kitchen is like, oh my gosh, that's how you do it. It actually worked. Yeah. And um, one of my favorites was like, we, we did, uh, it was so popular that we used to do probably like three different pie classes right around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so many people are like, I just want to make pie crust, but it never comes out right. Mm. And it's once you get it, it's so easy. Um, but I, it's it can be tricky, and then you're second guessing yourself. And do I go all butter or shortening or half and half? And uh. yeah, if you <laughs> overwork the dough, forget about it. Like it literally. Yeah, I agree with you. And it there it, once you you're you're right. Once you do get it, it's magic. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, Howie, keep your eye out. <laughs> Shy, this is the cutest question on the planet. Shiloh from Instagram, age six. The mom included that, I know. My mom is helping me write this. We love the farm and I love animals. I know you have chickens and ducks. Will you have any more animals? So uh, we do have chickens and ducks. We have uh, we have 40 chickens or so. Um, and then we have five ducks. And we do have two goats. Uh, their names are Butter and Tabasco. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, so we get um, chicken and duck eggs and the goats are just there for, you know, hangouts. Aesthetic, yeah. Um, they're awesome and they're super personable. Um, so uh, we used to do pigs. Um, every year we'd get in about 10 pigs. And then in the fall, we say they go to a retirement community. They do. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but um, since we purchased the farm, we haven't brought back and gotten more pigs um, because we need, we've, my husband and I have decided that we would love to do it, but uh, we need to build an actual space for them with uh, a permanent fence that, that they could be in year round, um, you know, every year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we have, um, in the years past, 
it's just been a temporary movable deer fencing that's used. Oh, geez. An electric fence that they can and always find a way to root under at some point and escape. Yeah. And and they're free range pigs. You know, me at like five, five chasing down a 250 pound animal is just, it is hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see it. <laughs> I would, I'll pay money to watch that, but it's nothing you feel like doing any longer. Yeah. Um, I really, I can't imagine myself doing it this year with no. a big old belly and, uh, being pregnant. So, no. um, no. so yeah, so we decided that we were done with that for a little while and we would, we would revisit it once we were able to actually build like a more substantial fenced in area for the, for the pigs. Um, other than that, I don't know that we will really get into too many other animals. I don't really see us ever doing like cows or no, you need like tons that. of space for that too. And you got, I mean, you have tons of space, but yeah, it's a whole different, and that's a whole, it's a whole different animal. <laughs> there you go. One for Linda on the punny scale. <laughs> May from Instagram writes, and I love this question, May, because I want to take the pictures for it. I live locally and love the farm. Would you ever consider posting more recipes on your website or Instagram for the fruits and vegetables you grow or do a cookbook? We should do a cookbook together. That sounds great. Let's do that. Okay, perfect. Um, uh, next project. Um, Put it on the list, sister. Uh, so I um, I do write different recipes in our CSA newsletter uh, every week, and uh, but I and I, this has been one that I would I've been totally like wanting to expand on more. Uh, a previous farm that I worked at, Langwater Farm, they have a Facebook page that is separate from their regular business page. It's just a recipe share page, and people who are getting their CSA or shopping there locally and whatnot occasionally we'll just like throw up a recipe and a picture and be like, Hey, I did this with, you know, this type mm -hmm. of sauce or whatever. Um, and I've been wanting to either try to do something like that to get people engaged with, you know, different seasonal recipes, um, and, or, you know, throwing some more stuff up on, on Instagram and whatnot too. We've also talked, um, with, I have a, a woman who does a lot of our web design and I've, we've kind of thrown back and forth a couple things about, you know, sometime doing some sort of a, uh, a recipe page where mm -hmm. we have stuff available for people. Um, and I'm always like constantly looking at everything that we're growing. I have such a hard time this time of year because I want to eat all of it. All of it. Well, this is like, this is the the boom. This is like one of the grand finale moments in a fireworks show of vegetables and fruit season for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a for sure struggle for me. <laughs> awesome. Well, you and I'll collaborate on that and I'll help you and we're going to tackle that together. So side project, side yeah, project. I, I would love someday to do some sort of a, you know, a, a farm cookbook or something like that. Um, this past week I made a cantaloupe, a spiced cantaloupe tea cake. Uh, Yum. Like who cooks with cantaloupe? I, just, I want to now. That sounds delicious. So good. And uh, it was just because I was like, I'm talking about cantaloupe in the newsletter. And all I'm going to say is like, it's delicious. Just eat it. But then I was like, wait, there's, let me see what else I can do with this. Yeah. And, uh, it was so good. So oh, good. you'll have to share the recipe if you want to. I'll put it in the show notes for everybody. Um, Okay. Matt 
in Massachusetts writes, you have the best produce around. If you had to pick one fruit and one vegetable from the farm right now, what would it be? Oh gosh, really putting me on a spot, Matt. Matt's uh, putting you on the spot. Cantaloupe. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Melon. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, one fruit and one vegetable. Oh, goodness. Um, first of all, thanks for thanks for loving our produce. Um, uh, there's definitely a lot of TLC that goes into it. Um, yeah. uh, I'm Mm, I'm gonna go. This is like picking a favorite child. Yeah. yeah. Um. Honestly, I would say fruit-wise, either strawberries or melons. I'm not picking a favorite melon. Sorry, Matt. No. Nope. Um, you don't have to. <laughs> it's yours. You don't um, have to. Uh, um. And then, let's see. Vegetable-wise. Hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go either, oh gosh, uh, tomato, mm-hmm. sweet potato, Ooh. or, um, oh goodness, what was the last one I was just thinking of? Corn. Uh, I love corn. I'm a sucker for corn, but um, I feel like that's just too easy to pick. It is. Well, right now it's the like height of corn. Oh, peppers, sweet peppers. Oh, sweet peppers. Mm. Yeah, me and some sweet peppers can have a good time. I saw the purple ones you posted today. I mean, right now, so we're, when this comes out in September, we are recording in mid-August. So it's just like insaney pants down at the farm right now. Yeah. And September is such a good time because if we it haven't is. had a, a early frost, then it's like the best of both worlds, like colliding. You get <sighs> delicata squash, which I could just like swoon over mm. and kabocha squash and and then we start harvesting carrots more and oh. get me started. <laughs> so get- yummy. Brett from Instagram writes, it looks like you guys are always doing so much on the farm. Do you ever sleep? Do you have to get up super early? When do you have downtime during the year? Um, hey, Brett. Um, so we hibernate in January. Um, <laughs> good. That's good. Um, and uh yeah, during the during like I'd say late March to November, we pretty much um, run around the clock uh, for uh, a lot of things. I find myself coming into the house at the end of the day, and then you know making dinner, putting our son to bed, and uh, and then staying up on the computer doing office work until like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And, um, and it doesn't, yeah, we pretty much run seven days a week, my husband and I right now, uh, when, when we do get some downtime during the week, if something slows down or if it's raining, then we absolutely try and jump on it and just chill for a few minutes or a few hours. Uh, yeah. but there's, there's definitely, it, it gets a little bit of a tricky to do this time of year. Um, but we definitely get some some downtime when the when the sun starts going down at 4 30 there's always so much you can do when it's dark out yeah it's true and it's a little bit of a saving grace that uh then it does get dark earlier and we hang in last winter um our son turned six last december and we played so many awesome board games at like 4 30 5 o'clock oh i love that as a family and um 
that was we taught him how to play monopoly and it was like a whole new world oh my god the never-ending game of monopoly did you cheat and take the money towards the end and like speed it along I wish he was so good at it. He beat me every time. A oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, who's going to take over the uh, farm operations when he's old enough. Perfect. Perfect. Financial. He'll be fine. Um, Russ in Rhode Island writes, we live in the area and love coming by. Do you have any fun fall and winter events coming up? Um, a, a fun fall event. I'm having a baby. Um, I know. <laughs> Russ, you're welcome to come. <laughs> <laughs> your um, invite for the for the operating room will be uh in the mail shortly yeah yeah um we we talked about how much we would love to uh have done more in terms of farm table dinners this year and stuff like that um but with just everything continuing to feel so uncertain in in regulations and we usually when we do those we do do like long tables and we're like huh does everybody just want to is everyone okay with sitting right next to each other if you don't know each other and mm-hmm. just felt like a big decision to to really plan um so uh so we we haven't done those this year but we're definitely going to be getting back to them uh if we're able to next year um fall september end of august or early september we start apple picking and then at the middle of september we do pumpkins and hay rides um we're we partner every year with the um with merit it's a millis education resource something acronym i remember right now <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes don't worry um and uh and do a haunted hay ride with them um, last year we weren't able to do it because of COVID and we're hoping this year that we'll be able to do it. Um, so that's usually towards the end of October. Um, we are hoping to do a few more, um, winter events with the restaurant and whatnot. Um, whether it's like, uh, you know, maybe we do, a a lead, we lead a, a, a winter hike around the farm and end with, um, some specialty cocktails to warm you up and a little bonfire or something. Um, we're hoping to do some more stuff like that. That's kind of, uh, casual and fun and just brings people to the farm when we are more or less closed. That's awesome. That sounds like fun. I can't wait to participate. Emily from Instagram writes, if someone wanted to start a farm, what are a few things you think they should know, but not might not be expecting? Um, Let's see, Emily. I expect the unexpected for sure. <laughs> um, there's just so much that, like I said before, with like weather and everything, it just is completely out of your control. So you really have to be able to kind of just at, at some point take a chill pill and roll with um, the punches. Just roll with it. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's really the biggest thing. Uh, I would say, you know, yes, it, depending upon the, the size operation anybody's trying to run and everything like that, um, staffing is a sure treat. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, and we, we get, we have some really amazing staff members. Our employees are, are fabulous. Um, but it's, it keeps you on your toes for sure. Um, and, uh, and that in and of itself is just something that you can't predict. You can't, you, know, um, you can't predict who's going to walk through your door and, and who's going to leave because of, you know, whatever reason. And, um, 
So um, again, rolling with the punches. I mean, it really does sound like you need to be able to be flexible, think on your feet, and then find a way to, to find your calm and ground yourself through all of this. Yoga. <laughs> Yoga. Deep breathing, meditation, wine, whatever. <laughs> Pick your poison. In Massachusetts pot. Like it really, whatever, whatever settles your day. Yeah. I love that. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So you just mentioned it a second ago, something you were cooking at home, but what else are you currently making at home right now with your beautiful produce and veggies and fruits? Um, I, I'm always, um, I'm always trying to find new ways to use things that we're growing. One of the things that I absolutely love that took a couple of years to convince Steve to grow, <laughs> um, uh, he's, he's very much the rational thinker in this relationship. Sure. Um, and I love him for that dearly. Uh, so when I ask him to grow certain things, he's like, but is it going to sell? Um, uh, like, I don't care. I want it. I want it. I'm your wife. Plant it for me. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> so we started growing patty pan squash this mm. year. And, um, from like the culinary background, I always loved cooking with it. Uh, it definitely, it's for those of you that aren't familiar with patty pan squash, it's kind of like a, it falls into the category of summer squash, zucchini type of deal. Um, but it looks almost like flying saucers. Yeah. They're so cool. And if you let them grow too big, they will keep growing like dinner plates. Yeah. They get, they get large. Yeah. Um, So typically you pick them when they're, you know, about the size of your palm or smaller and, uh, and they're super tender and, tend to be a little drier than like a summer squash or a zucchini. So when you cook them up, they don't get as my favorite things to do with them is to stuff them and Ooh. I'll put the tops off of them. And then you use a small spoon to, um, to scoop them out. They don't have as much seeds or as large of seeds as a summer squash or zucchini. So, um, it's a lot more, you know, let's say like meaty or something. Um, and I like to stuff them with farro, which mm. gives the, cause I just love the nuttiness and kind of like adaptability of farro and how you can, you know, you can throw so many different flavors to it. And it's just, it's super it's so good. And it's so filling. It is. And it gives the, it gives the filling this like meat, like quality without adding meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I cook, I cook the farro oftentimes with, um, diced heirloom tomato, some sweet onion, um, either homemade chicken stock or veggie stock. And then I'll add in seasoning based on, you know, if I want to go more like Italian style and I'll go basil and add some garlic and some Parmesan cheese, or I go more like, I tend to go like a Mexican style and Mm -hmm. add some grilled corn and some black beans and add some chipotle seasoning. Um, and then I stuff the squash and I'll either roast it or grill it. Um, and it's so good. I'm starving. Um, so that's, that's definitely one of the things that I'm just like obsessed with. We'll, we'll include some recipes on the show notes. If you're so inclined to send a couple, so promote yourself. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? (laughs) Um, so, um, our website is tangerinesfarm.com and, uh, we, we do update a number of different things on our website on a daily basis. We have several different you pick opportunities that we offer through the season. 
so I'm, I update those on a, on a nightly basis just to keep everybody apprised of what's open and what's not and how the, how the picking conditions are. Um, and then uh, we, have a, we have a wonderful little farm stand here. We're open May 1st through Thanksgiving. Uh, May through the end of October, we're open 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. seven days a week. And November, we're open 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. seven days a week. Uh, and then um, we have a restaurant on site called The Farmer's Porch. We do breakfast and lunch from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. seven days a week. May through November, and then through the winter, we're still open for takeout only. Um, we currently lack the indoor seating capability um, during the winter months. So um, we do takeout only Thursday through Sunday in the winter. Um, and we have an ice cream shop too uh, that is open May 1st through the end of October, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's just never ending. You guys are so action-packed over there. I love it. And you're doing events. If somebody wanted to get married on the farm or anything, rent that puppy out. Yeah, we do. Um, we have a lot of, this year, probably more than ever, we're doing, um, we've done a lot of like rehearsal dinners, bridal showers, baby showers, um, you know, certainly kids' birthday parties and whatnot as well. So um, that's that's always a fun time for sure. Heck yeah, I love it. I'll put everything in the show notes and link everything to you guys. Okay. Last question that I ask everyone, if COVID wasn't a thing, which it's kind of not anymore, and you had all the money in the world, where are you going and what are you eating? Oh goodness. Um, Ooh, I don't, I, I think I've got, can I have two places? Um, yes, of course you can. <laughs> um, I, I would, I would absolutely love to go to to Italy um, mm. and just eat my way through Italy. Um, uh, Steve is half Italian and um, and I think it would be just so amazing to be able to just go. There's just so many different- So many, yeah. And it varies town to town, region to region. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, we, we were, I was fortunate enough to go with my parents when I was in fifth grade, but at that point, Yes, I, I would like to say as a fifth grader, I appreciated some things more than other kids would have, but I was absolutely still looking for the McDonald's. Oh. Um, and, and that is a shame. <laughs> That's okay. You now, you'll go again. You'll totally go again with your kiddos too, or not either yeah. way. Um, and then the other place I would say, um, we went on our honeymoon to Turks and Caicos. Oh. Um, and it was so incredible. The most like welcoming island I've ever been to. Um, everybody was so hospitable. Um, and it was, it's absolutely such a melting pot of cuisines there. There's so many people that have just like we did gone and absolutely fallen in love with the island and the culture and everything and just stayed and built restaurants. And you could walk down streets and just find like an Irish pub and an Italian restaurant and they're all like the best. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. They're not just like knockoff generic things. No, it's really good in the water there. My God. Yeah. Um, it, it was incredible. And obviously you've got so many fabulous restaurants of, of really great Island cuisine and everything. Um, but the amount that we gorged ourselves on our honeymoon, we don't need to get into. Um, but I would, we would absolutely 
hands down love to go back and just continue to eat her way through that island chain. <laughs> and you should, and you should. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. It was so good to see you. You are a delight in my life and I adore you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been absolutely delightful um, and just a joy. Ooh, yay! Well, I'm sure I'll see you very soon. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know you have a lot going on. Speaking of, she is about to have a baby literally any second. So let's wish her all the luck and love in the world and a smooth and easy delivery collectively together. Okay, great. I will link all of their information in the show notes. And if you're locally, swing by the farm in Millis. It's a dream come true and beautiful. Walk around, see those goats, say hi to the chickens and ducks. Go to my website for all of the information, elizabethrfuller.com. Tag me on Instagram and all of your food adventures at Let's Go on a Food Adventure. And email me with any questions for the podcast. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Make some yummy food this weekend. Lead with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.